and I always screw up the intro and the outro because I'm awful at this. Uh, um. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. This Madre podcast number 123. That's kind of crazy that it's that we're that deep in. Uh, but thank you guys for joining this week's episode. We have an awesome guest this week, Christine Girl. I, I don't. I'm gonna fuck your name up. So. Garalaga, I, I see that's totally like I totally white like white like washed it or whatever. No, but how's what's the white what's the correct way to say it? Like, what, how would a Filipino like somebody or is it is it a is it a white list? What's the I I was actually gonna ask like should I just prep you on how to say my last name? But then we got right into it, so I was like, oh, that's part how we of the conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll fuck it up. Yeah. No, no, it's no. You actually said it one of three ways that my parents say is correct, which I think is hilarious because I'm okay. like there's three ways to do this correctly <laughs> i mean i've only said it geralaga my whole life but my parents say you could either say Haralaga, geralaga or geralaga oh wow okay. and i'm like why i so i i commit to geralaga but like apparently they all three are correct um but okay. the background of that last name is that um there's two different versions i've heard that it is a spanish last name okay but it's not common you know i don't I don't know any other Geralagas unless I'm related to them. Uh, And the other story is that when the Spanish colonized the Philippines, like they're like Mm a long time ago, there were like eight brothers who like split up and decided to create a new last name. And like they took the first initial of each of their their first names and created the Geralaga name. And that's why I'm related to every Geralaga I know. But, you know, I don't know obviously which one is true. Wow, that's a that's a crazy story. Yeah, that it would be amazing if that were really the case, and I hope it is. But I've met, like, I've reached out to other Geralagas, like, through Facebook, like, just doing random, like, re- like just uh, reaching out and being like, um, you know, what's your, what do you know about our last name? And some people have said that back to me. Like, oh, I, really? Yeah. Wow. So, okay. Wow. So, I mean, there might be truth to that, or it might just be a Spanish last name that. Yeah. You know, a lot of Filipinos um, had to switch to Spanish last names at some point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so yeah, I was so confused. It's like, I'm going to fuck this one up, but let's make it part of the conversation, which is this <laughs> That was a long, um, sorry, long. Yeah, was, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, so Christine is a guest because we met, uh, it's been six years yeah. since we shot Masa and the Power season two. And Christine played De- Deborah. We used to joke around and say we'd call it Deborah. Uh, Deborah, uh, <laughs> Deborah Lagañas, who was basically um, the uh, the character that was played by uh, Flacco, Isaac Flacco, who is Ernesto Lagañas. So Christine played Ernesto Lagañas' wife, who's De- Deborah Lagañas. And, um, and she did an amazing job in that role. And, you know, we did we did that second season. I think at the time, we, obviously, we were hoping to do more. It never turned into much more. But we did, I think it was, was eight episodes for that season. And, um, you know, recently, I've been revisiting those episodes and watching some of that stuff. And that's been a lot of fun, just kind of catching up on that stuff. And I, I was talking to Isabel, who I'm sure you remember, mm-hmm. who's kind of one of the producers on the set. And we were just remembering a bunch of stuff about it. And I was like, dude, you remember shit that I don't remember at all. But um yeah what do you remember about that shoot I think you were probably on set for like maybe three or four days or I'm trying was to remember it three or four I feel like it was shorter than that for was me was it just two it I know might, it was at least two at least two there was there had there was just like a day where it was just wardrobe for me um mm. and then mm. like and then I did two days I don't remember doing much more than that Okay, maybe it was just two days. Maybe the first day. Okay, yeah, yeah. The first day we we shot the Cinco de Mayo stuff. Oh, which was. was (laughs) Oh wow! It's all coming back to me now. I mean, watching watching those three like doing their like performance (laughs) at the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like, oh my god! And everybody was so into it. It was that shit was so wild. I feel like I I mean like. I had a lot of fun shooting it, but I had I also had a lot of fun just kind of being like watching behind the camera and watching everything go down. Like these those yeah. dudes have the best chemistry. Like on they camera. did, Especially. they did. Yeah, yeah. J- Jerry, Sammy, and Chingo. Yeah, that's yeah. true. 
Um, so we shot the Cinco de Mayo stuff. And then I think the next day we went and shot at that house, the scene where like you have like the chest freeze when you eat the snow cone or something. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. It was like Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Doing the whole, yeah. That was, there was just so much, it was like the, my favorite kind of dumb comedy shit where yeah. it's just like, yeah. oh man, like, like I never mean it in an insulting way. I'm almost just like, man, that's no, so no, no. Um, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost, like when we did the, the ghost parody. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I guess you basically did two parodies. You did a ghost parody at the party. Yeah. Which was, and you guys had like the tamale, like, wait, he got behind you. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And we were like, yeah. just like, you know, roll, like d- rolling the masa or it, it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, you guys were rolling lots. You know what's crazy? After that happened, like, it was, like, soon after that, somebody made a meme of that. Like, they basically took the... But they took it from Ghost. They basically changed... They put a bunch of pile of tamales, and that kind of went viral. And every once in a while, I'll see that meme come up, and I'm like, we came up with that shit. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, it happened here first. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should get credit for that. Um, and then, yeah, that I guess like the the other parody was Pulp Fiction, which I had totally forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Um, I had is... done that scene in acting class and played the same part. Like I was like lying on the ground the whole time while the, oh. my classmates were running around me trying to revive me. So it's just, like so funny that I ended up doing it on camera. You had done it before we shot that? Like, I'm pretty sure it was before. Oh yeah, it had to have been before because this is before I moved to LA. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think the shoot after like in the middle of moving to LA. So, so before you had done Masa, like what sort of acting were you doing, or what were you doing up in the Bay Area to kind of start and kind of get get into? Were you doing other films, or were you just doing your own stuff, or what were you up to at the time? At that time, I was, or yeah, before before I had met you, I had been training really hard at this uh this um school called. Well, it's changed its name now, but it was called the Beverly Hills Playhouse in San Francisco because it originated in Los Angeles. And then they opened up a chapter in San Francisco, Um, like a scene study class. Uh, They also teach like, you know, the marketing side of it, like how to get an agent, like Mm. how to get the right headshots, how to market yourself like as Mm -hmm. an actor so that people know how to cast you. Um, So it was like a really hardcore scene study class where we would take scenes from plays and uh, movies and television and put them up on stage and like workshop Mm -hmm. them with a teacher uh, one, two, three nights a week, like in San Francisco. It was really, really um, challenging. Mm -hmm. Like we were constantly challenging ourselves to do just like really scary things on stage so that when we're on camera, you know, we don't flinch away from making any, choices as but was it was it geared towards acting in front of the camera or was it uh, at all like the theater or was it pretty much yeah their philosophy was and i i don't know if i agree with this anymore but at the time (laughs) i did um their philosophy was that acting is acting and there was no difference i mean there obviously Mm. is a difference when you're on stage a theater at a big fucking you know with a big fucking theater like you're gonna needing to project and do all that stuff um but they were just teaching how to act like Mm. just acting and that it should be able to translate whether it's like really tight in a really tight frame in front of a camera or Mm. stage yeah Um, but yeah that's that's what I was doing for five years I started there like 2009 yeah wow you don't get a degree for that you know what I mean I'm just doing the work like really consistently doing the work putting in like at least 12 hours of rehearsal outside of that before we come to class and classes were like four hours long and I would go like two to three times a week I was like a stage manager there so I was like really involved um I really made it like a huge part of my life at that time um and it was a great training ground for me and a great place to have like where I met like just the best community of actors where we really supported each other you know it wasn't perfect where we were people like you know there was there was always drama here and there but um, (laughs) our teacher like made sure to like if he caught that shit he'd be like 
get rid of it. Like we do not need like toxic shit in our room. Like mm. this needs to be a safe space. We need to make it about the work. And I love that. Um, and wow. like so outside of that, I was just auditioning a lot and doing as many short films or whatever project I could get any commercial, industrial, just anything mm -hmm. I could get on yeah. set for. Yeah. Yeah. And how, like, did you pretty much kind of decide like out of high school or something that this was something you wanted to do or how did you, I mean, cause that's obviously like a big deal. I think within like our communities, like immigrant communities, like it's not mm -hmm. very common for folks like us to pursue the arts, you know, it's typically more, it's a weird thing because I feel like, you know, either you go do the, you know, professional stuff, you go to college, you do that or whatever, or you just get a fucking job and you grow up and you be an adult, right? Right, right, <laughs> it's right. Like they're, they're more apt to be upset with your parents are more apt to be upset with you for pursuing the arts than like getting like a regular, regular job, you know? Right, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. my parents were not feeling this at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I when I was leaving high school, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I love oh, this. Wow. And um, yeah. because I had like done drama in high school and I was in color guard and marching band. So I had been performing my whole mm -hmm. life. Um, mm -hmm. But my parents were like, no, it's time to be practical. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we had a hard life growing up in the Philippines. We came to America to make sure you don't have to struggle anymore like we did. So mm -hmm. you will not be doing that when you go to college. Um, so I did not do that in college, although I did like some side things in college just to keep because I, mm. I could never leave performing mm -hmm. yeah uh, but yeah college was tough for me um because I wasn't doing what I wanted to do I was just like I was I was like failing my classes I was like really struggling mm. college mm. Uh, mm. Uh, so after finally surviving college and graduating with like a degree in sociology <laughs> which was mm. the closest thing I could get to like still studying people you're right yeah like psychology and sociology, that kind of thing. It's just mm -hmm. like getting to know why people are the way they are. Um, yeah. I put my foot down and I said I was gonna, I was gonna do it. Like I just told my parents, like you know, I was crying to them. I was like, I know you're really upset and gonna be disappointed, but I'm gonna do this. And um, yeah, and they just accepted that. And every year it's been getting better and better. Like, you know, I know they're still like bracing themselves and hoping I change my mind, but uh but they're, they're proud and they're supportive in the way they can be about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a weird thing. Like I know that, I mean, I have like a, I, it's not a similar story because I think like I grew up same thing with like, you know, parents who were immigrants and who, you know, we struggled growing up and um, I got to, to college and I was also very much kind of a STEM nerd and always on that path, you know, math and science was my shit. Or I, it was it was easy. We'll put it that way. It's not like I totally loved it, but I, I liked it enough and it was easy. And I did all the little STEM programs and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was always screwing around with the video camera, always doing little projects like that with my friends. And um, I had like a weird attitude towards the arts at the time. I think I thought like it was too easy. And and it was it, that's a naive thing because it's it's extremely difficult as a career path but I think I was thinking about it in college I was like how am I going to major in like the arts like that's just too easy as, of a major like I need like it needs to be like punishment it needs to be hard you know <laughs> I need to be pulling all-nighters like yeah, I, I need to get through these finals yeah all right they're gonna do that shit to me <laughs> so stupid yeah it's so stupid um and like I I think I I did a little bit of kind of production stuff I volunteered with like a tv like the there was like a campus television station you and I would right? yeah right, yeah cool, cool, cool. yeah um and so I would I volunteered on there was some guys who were doing like a sketch show and some other stuff and I'd go like shoot for them and basically screw around um but yeah I always kind of felt like it was going to be like just too like fluffy and 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 I also like to be totally honest was kind of like in my my parents mindset thinking like yo like at least like if I get a degree like maybe I won't use it immediately or maybe I whatever but I need to be able to make some money off this shit if like I end up you know that's mm -hmm. you know and I actually remember once like my roommate and I my freshman year roommate and I we got like one of those like the U.S. News and World or like a magazine that said like salaries for like different careers right right, right. yeah <laughs> like, I know we were, I see that shit too <laughs> 
Yeah, we looked at it. We're like, okay, yeah, engineering. We're kind of already thinking science or, you know, engineering sort of stuff. And like, he's like, oh, shit, yeah, computer science, you know? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do computer science. And, uh, and I was just like, I thought I was going to do chemistry for a while, which was awful. Like, I did chemistry and chemical engineering for like a year and a half. And I had like the worst fucking GPA ever, like coming oh. out of my sophomore year. I was like super fucking fat. Like all I was doing was like eating chemistry Doritos. The first two years is so fuck. Like they weed you out in the first two years. Yeah, I because it's out. yeah, because yeah. it's for pre meds, right? Like it's all the pre meds doing all that stuff. And I did all that shit. I did yeah, like a year and a half of it. Nah, it man. ended up being pointless, but I got like you know some credits out of it a little bit, even yeah. though they're like awful, awful on my GPA. They dragged my GPA down entirely. Um, and then at some point, I just was like, okay, I, I know I'm good at math and, and science enough, and I just was like. I think one day I was like playing with my bike and I was like, Oh, I like to, I like stuff. And I did it mechanical engineering because I just was like, this is easy. Like I can see it and I can touch it. Yeah. And I'm not, it's not like theoretical at all. Like chemistry is like chemistry was always felt like memorizing shit, which I'm sure you were aware of, like just memorizing all these compounds and I, I, all this crap. But I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I, I wish I could. I really wish I had the brain for it. My parents wish I did. <laughs> yeah my mom yeah. was a chemical engineer um really yeah so wow yeah and then she moved wow. here and then she uh got into banking but um that was her thing that was her degree in the film wow so when did your parents come to the u.s like how how old were you were born here or and when I did they come here. okay I, they came in like oh man what's the exact year it couldn't have been too much longer before we were born but i think they came like Cause I was born in 87. So they were, they probably came in like 84, like, okay. Yeah. No, no earlier than the, the 1980 though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and did you guys, did they already have other family here or what was that process like for them? Like, why did they choose the Bay area? You grew up in Vallejo, right? Vallejo. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but that's probably the correct pronunciation of it actually. Uh, <laughs> I mean, why am I correcting? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Word. <laughs> it's, it's, that is not an English word. Um, <laughs> um, they, they were the first of our family. Really? To come. Yeah. So my dad was in the Navy, um, the U S Navy, and that's how he came. He was able to come here. They, uh, and they were stationed in, um, Mar island first before travis air force base in fairfield i might be messing that up but um so that's why we and the so family. he's from the philippines but he got into the navy how does that work or how, do you they know were recruiting from the philippines really so he saw that as an opportunity to to leave the philippines yeah wow so he yeah he joined the navy um tr you know was doing that thing my parents were in a long distance relationship for a long time because he was always on the ship yeah. um she was you know pregnant with me and my brother because we're twins uh, uh while okay. he was gone so that was a struggle for her um and then uh then we were born here um and and then they started petitioning the rest of their siblings to come but it didn't i mean the few who could come it took like over two decades for them to come because just immigration is so messed up for the philippines coming to the united states yeah. uh, but their parents were able to come a lot sooner probably in the first 10 years they came wow yeah wow. um and we're still like my parent one of my my dad's siblings they came in the last five years one of my mom's siblings came in the last five years we're still waiting for the rest of my mom's siblings and they may not be able to come so yeah it's, yeah that's wild um, it is wild yeah so it's just yeah. kind of been like a life of separation for my family the whole time yeah um, honestly but yeah. yeah no our parents had to do some crazy shit and, and i mean i i think it's understandable why like you know, they could be upset about not choosing like this really safe path because yeah. the risk that they, the, the lengths they went to for really basic things. And then you're kind of, you know, not you in particular, but you know, we, then we kind of were like, oh, we want to do this or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. This impossible thing where I'm mostly making an ass of myself. <laughs> they're, they're like always just like, what the fuck is she doing? 
but like i fucking i mean i love it you know what i mean so um but like yeah no i think about that all the time like i i have i have like just like guilt around not being you know not being able to uh or what is the word i'm looking for i just hate the idea of like disappointing my parents i mean i think a lot of immigrant children feel that way um children of immigrants feel that way yeah Um, because yeah they didn't here (laughs) yeah no it's true it's totally true i mean it's probably like i still have i i have tried to manage basically a dual career Mm -hmm. you know i still do engineering and I do these other projects and I'm always kind of like balancing it. And what ends up screwing up in my life is either my health. Like I just I don't have time to like take care of myself because I'm like staying up late. Right. I'm working on stuff like 24 seven or my personal relationships mm-hmm. um, because I don't give people enough time because I'm like being selfish. I'm like, Oh, I gotta, gotta have a job and I gotta do this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't put enough time into my personal life which screws things up, which is a whole other conversation, but right. yeah, <laughs> but, no, it's so hard yeah. to balance anything. Yeah. It's tough. It's- yeah. So when you left, when you left for LA around that time in 2015 and 2016, what was that like? I mean, did, were your parents like, what are you doing? And what were you, what were you thinking at the time? Like, did you have a plan? What were you going to do or, you know? Oh, wow. Um, they, I mean, they, I think they saw it coming. Like, they just knew how serious I was about this. They knew that, you know, the Bay Area was not the market to have a career in yeah. doing this. So yeah. I think they just knew, like, the, the the night I told them, you know, they were just like, okay, <laughs> like, you're going to go and do it. And also, at you know, at the time, I was still in a long distance relationship with my boyfriend Steven who we're still together it's it'll be 10 years this year but at that time it was three years in we were in a long distance relationship he was here and I was in the bay um and so I think they were kind of relieved that they knew we'd be moving in together like Mm -hmm. like me coming down here like gave them a little more uh comfort because I wasn't completely alone also a ton of my friends had moved already from the bay area so I already had an established community out here um I knew right away I need to get into other classes like I uh I like like saved money like I did like I I tried to come with as much preparation as I could even though you never know like people right. come down here and some of them just get swooped up right into it and it works out and people, other people come down here with everything planned and nothing happens, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm, I find myself kind of way in the middle of that where it's like, yeah, things were happening. Like every year something yeah. happens where it's like a sign to me that I am still on the right path, but it is such a long, long marathon. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you went down, like you were obviously doing the the auditions and kind of you're, I'm guessing, trying to get an agent or representation mm-hmm. of some kind. Um, what was that like auditioning for stuff, being like a, a, you know, an Asian female and like what sort of roles were you getting called for? What sort of stuff were you not getting called for? What was that like? Like, Yeah, wow. Um, I'll say that is super different than auditioning in the bay for me personally in the bay i like i like you know it was because it's mostly industrials and yeah commercial work in the bay right, right and they were much more open to like what diversity looked like in front of the camera there right and, you know like this is just in my experience i'm sure other people could tell you differently because it's so different for everybody um mm-hmm. versus when i got down here obviously <clears throat> the acting pool exploded like there are like instead of there being like maybe two or three versions of you like there were in the bay of me in LA there's probably a hundred versions of you for a casting that's weird I never thought of it that way but that makes sense that you know they're like there's a type right we're looking for this da 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 and then you end up probably running into the same people at like a lot of auditions is that true or Yes, yes. So I like my first circle of casting, like, or this is what I'm told, like, when people look at me, I'm like the approachable, you know, like diversity type, like, Mm. I'm the brown approachable face, like, 
Mm -hmm. uh, that's super friendly and like, um, you know, your best friend, someone you can trust. Like that's what people see <laughs> when they cast me for commercial <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I kept running into the same people for that across like all kinds of ethnicities. Um, I see. But, yeah, but, um, but it made it harder. I mean, like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I was booking a little bit when I first started and I got an agent pretty soon after I moved. Mm -hmm. But after like a few years, I just realized for me, like maybe I wanted to switch up the path a little bit, which was kind of crazy to my acting friends. Like they were just like, I, I had decided like, okay, I'm gonna leave my agent. I'm gonna stop auditioning and mm -hmm. I'm just gonna make my own shit. Like I'm just gonna, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna be making films. Like I'm gonna focus more on the filmmaking part of it, but still like give myself the opportunity to act because that'll, at least it'll be something that I really care about. And I can get most of my time back because a lot of my time was spent prepping for auditions that mm. take two minutes. You're, yeah. you're going up against like, you know, 50 to a hundred people. Wow. And then, you know, it takes you one to two hours to get to an audition and then the same amount of time to get back. <laughs> it's time gone, yeah. dude. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I was I was soon realizing for me particularly because I have a lot of friends where like the acting and auditioning path worked perfectly for them like they climbed that ladder really quick for me it wasn't the same so I need to change it really fast and um and that change actually brought more opportunities for me so hmm. um yeah so how, how long after being in LA did you kind of decide that and was there like an inciting incident if you will or uh -huh. is it just kind of an accumulation of of, of that experience I want I can't remember if there was an inciting incident but I do remember the feeling of like I cannot I cannot do this again like I cannot like be at the whim of my agent like mm. I can't just be sitting here waiting on her call and she was wonderful like great woman yeah. like we had a great relationship she worked really hard for me but like um but yeah I wasn't booking for her as much as I'm sure she wanted me to and I and she uh you know she had to be focusing on her clients that were doing more yeah and, and at the same time I felt like it was a waste of time for me like I wanted to mm -hmm. be creating things and mm -hmm. um and you know being in front of the camera not waiting to do it so yeah uh, so yeah, yeah it was more of an accumulation I would say yeah you know Chingo did something similar where you know Chingo's from Houston right um and um, he had been like a rapper and kind of a, you know, doing like these parodies online, a little bit, a little bit of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then in, gosh, what year was it? It was before Masa and the Power. It was like, it must have been like 2013 or 14. He was cast in a feature film. Yeah. He just, have you seen that? Uh, Philly, Philly Brown? Brown. Yeah. 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 So he, he that kind of like you know, got into Sundance and he kind of did a little bit of film festival tours because of that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then I think he thought like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just go to LA and do acting. And he moved to LA for one year. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing though, I think for him, it took one year and he was like, man, fuck this. I can't be sitting around like waiting for this stuff. Yeah. And, the, yeah. I mean, and it takes a long time. I mean, I had, I had one friend who was like, I'll give it six months. And I'm like, six months, dude, like, <laughs> like that's not yeah some yeah. people maybe you'll book right in six months but like for most people you just have to come in knowing like persistence and patience like yeah you know. yeah I mean but I mean to that end like when do people feel like they've kind of like made it if you will if they're not you know because there's like made it like people think right. like oh you've made it which is like you're some sort of a-list or whatever you're right, yeah. you're in, in real movies and then there's like working actors i guess right or like you know what do like if you have a friend that's made it what does their career look like now like i doubt any of my friends who i think have made it think that they've made it because i feel like mm. i feel like there's always something more that they're going to try to attain and like sure. like because some of my friends have they're like in the door now like they're working on really great like high profile everyone's gonna see these movies projects um but you know like it's also such a 
like people always say it's such a fickle industry like it's always ready to move on to the next person or the next yeah. hottest thing you know what i mean whereas you're mm -hmm. right like with character actors they're always working maybe they're not mm -hmm. famous per se you know but mm -hmm. i think I think some people are in it for that and and a lot of people are not in it for that and just want to be able to work and do really cool projects and get paid to do it you know like mm -hmm. yeah paid to do their passion so it's hard to say when someone feels like they've made it i feel like if you are an a-lister and a household name everyone knows you you're not auditioning and they're handing you these jobs and you get to pick what you want to do i feel like that's a version of making it as an actor yeah um, and i do think there's a version of making it where it's like you are auditioning, but you're booking a lot and you're booking a lot of great work and um, mm -hmm. and no one's like chasing you down the street with a camera, you know, like you get to yeah. live life, eat yeah. dinner with your family and no one's coming up to you, you know, like mm -hmm. that sounds like a great life too. Yeah, no, it certainly seems like there is kind of like this one class of actors who are maybe like on TV shows that get renewed for a few years, mm -hmm. you know? Um, there are some, uh, you know, they play some role and they kind of book consistently like season to season, at least something. Right. And, you know, hate to take it back to our parents, but you know, maybe they, they're able to pay a mortgage, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. No, like some people, like if you, yeah, like some of those network checks are really big. So like people yeah. are doing just fine if they're like booking, like, like, yeah, like ABC shows or, you mm -hmm. know like mm -hmm. consistent like regular or recurring episodes like man they're they're doing just fine like they're getting yeah. sag resi residuals right right yeah right. Some people are doing great financially <laughs> yeah so so when you decided to kind of start making your own stuff like i mean i think i did a similar thing to that where i would have uh, i had some initial success with short with a short film a couple hey, of short films. You found a Sundance, right? Yeah. So that's I had a, a big, project man. that's, I had a big project that, or a small project at Sundance. And then I wrote a feature that went through the Sundance labs. And I spent like mm -hmm. four or five years trying to make that project and mm -hmm. we never raised the money and it never happened like for oh, a feature. Right. And I got so burnt out on doing pitches even though it was just one project, but we put, I put so much like hope and energy into that project that, you know, it was doing like, you know, pitches and revisions and like applying for grants and applying for this and that, you know, over and over and still working a day job, balancing it out somehow. Um, but I think at some point I was like, man, this is some bullshit because, you know, I'm seeing people do stuff online. This was like, you know, like, like 2014 when people were, yeah. I think, I, I feel like at the time people were putting a lot more content online. So like Vine was breaking out. I never did Vine and, and kind right. of really short form yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really quick. But, yeah. But, but I thought, you know, there's a place for doing quality content online. And that was kind of the genesis of this mother. We're like, we're just going to start putting stuff. And then Sammy got out of college and was like getting into filmmaking himself. So we're like, let's just do this or whatever. But um, for me at the time, I was just like, well, there's probably a market for this stuff too, thinking for like Mexican-American audiences. Um, what was your thought process for the sort of stuff you wanted to make? Was it purely personal or was it based off of like, this is what I think will do well? Or what were you thinking with your, what was your first, what were your first couple projects and kind of how did you approach the ideas? Oh man. I mean, I think back to the first things I've done and I'm just like, yeah, none of that shit would sell. <laughs> like fuck and also i mean they were my first project so of course i'm gonna rewatch them and be like what the fuck was yeah. i thinking like an 18 minute movie about being on your period that's fucking crazy you know what i mean like <laughs> um but that so that one was so that was my first project uh, it's called a period drama and it that one was born out of my acting class because my acting teacher was like we cannot, you cannot wait for someone to give you an opportunity. You guys have to write your own short films. That's the, mm -hmm. that was the assignment. Just write yourself something. Yeah. And then like, I took it further and decided to make it with all of my classmates. Mm. Um, so that was just a great exercise for me to learn how to be in front of and behind the camera, like wear both hats. Mm. I had to learn how to produce. I had to learn like, just like, most like I was just learning a lot about how to make something yeah uh, 
and with a ton of people and like multiple locations like I just went ahead and make it made it as like difficult as possible for myself um, <laughs> crazy uh, yeah. but yeah I I would say even now I don't know if I am thinking about like is this marketable is this something the industry like can sell necessarily yeah um it is more but, so yeah personal stuff and just personal stuff yeah but you i mean you you made it with i'm guessing the objective of trying to do like film festivals with the short or something or yeah 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 i, I we so both steven and i'm um I, I keep looking in that direction as if he's here but he's in a completely different room <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh he's um so we're both we collaborate on all our projects together He's a writer, director, actor as well, um, and an editor, a great one. Mm. So he, he'll he edit all of my stuff um, and I'll act in his things or we'll co-write together, we'll produce together. Um, he'll direct something I've written or I'll do, I don't, I haven't written, I haven't directed anything he's written yet. I've co-directed mm. something that he's written though. Um, but yeah, we, uh, yeah, everything we've been making together, um, well, not so much lately because we've been making a lot of like smaller pieces, like one minute quick pieces. Um, but like our larger short films, like mm -hmm. we we typically take that on the festival path and then, um, you know, just try to get to the next level that way, which we're still trying to figure out how to do. You know what I mean? Like it is like yeah. even the festival path is a whole other game of like, oh, yeah, know, or the scams, you know, it's just like, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no I've done three shorts mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. have done you know played at festivals the first one was super successful the second one was like awful did the complete opposite did like three festivals like that nobody saw and then the third one was like somewhere in the middle sort of thing um right it's but so yeah they're they're more like I would say kind of like um I mean, for me anyway, they're, I've always thought of them, uh, yes, let's try to get into the festival, let's get some recognition out of it, mm -hmm. um, but more of just like, let's kind of like exercise like the skill set, you know, yeah. um, and let's try to like do something quality, work with actors, etc. I mean, there's no other way to do this, right? Nobody else, you can't get a job where somebody's going to pay you to direct something small yeah without having basically done it for free for yourself yeah exactly <laughs> it is kind of the wildest job of, of like I mean and people don't you know people outside of the industry don't see it that way they're just like well you're making stuff on your own you're not getting paid to do it you know you're paying to do it um yeah. is that a yeah. job and it's like it's 24 7 like I'm fucking doing this 24 7 you know trying yeah. to make happen and also having a day job you know what I mean and like um, yeah. I think we're just sitting around having fun and it's like nah man like, I'm writing if I'm not working I'm producing if I'm not working I'm connecting with other people if I'm not working I'm trying to move yeah. something forward every time so it's a 24-7 career for sure so yeah. I totally relate to you when you say like balance is fucking hard it's super hard yeah yeah so a period drama that was like your first one and you've done how many since then like like kind of what you would consider shorts like that oh that's a good question um I did that one and then three oh one two three so three like like normal sized shorts I would say mm -hmm. and then after that I decided, and they all got some, well, one of them completely, nobody saw, nobody cared. <laughs> another <laughs> one, another one was for like this competition that Justin Lin was putting on mm. uh, for Asian American filmmakers. And it was like a three, like it was a max of three minutes. Like you had to use like a specific line of dialogue and you had to like, like, you know, it had specific restrictions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so everyone had like basically the same, like, you, you all have the same ingredients yeah and same ingredients but your interpretation of those ingredients. yeah make yeah. a different make a dish at using the same ingredients and exactly. see what happens. yeah okay and so that short did well and like actually made it to the top 15 finalists for that one. Oh, nice 
Um, nice. So that was like a cool little thing. Like it, got, it helped me get my first like mention in Hollywood Reporter. Like it was just like good to be able to start mm-hmm. saying there's some little press around the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then I realized like, oh man, it's fucking expensive to make one short every year. Like that may mm-hmm. or may not go anywhere, but at least people, yeah. you know, know I'm doing stuff. So I yeah. decided to do um, this project of micro shorts where it's like, I'm just making a ton of one minute standalone short films, like mm-hmm. basically like on a slice of life or like it's about like a very relatable concept or or it has to do, like I did one that was about, um, you know, the the drug war, the war on drugs in the Philippines and the way the government's murdering like drug dealers. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Murders, like it's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. And that was like, so like I we've done like maybe fourteen of those now. Holy shit! Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there those are a lot more, you know, they're not easier, but they're like, like you can execute them faster than you could. It's like, nice to be able to kind of like yeah, like you shoot it in a day. You could probably edit in a day if you wanted to, and then you just yeah. kick them out into the world. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where do you normally drop those? Do you have like a YouTube or how are you or your Instagram or what are you doing with those? So we put, I, they go on my Instagram that it's called starring Christine. Those, they go there first um, because I wanted to have like, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I would just see like how people use Instagram and like, well, first of all, people are buying their fucking followers. So it's just like, it's all that <laughs> kind of dumb, but like, uh, but like, you know, like certain people use Instagram a certain way and it's like, okay, I'm not an influencer, but I want people to know the kind of work I'm doing. You know, I want there to be a page where it's just like, just straight up video content. So like we created a starring Christine Instagram page. So they're all there. Um, And then uh, I also throw them up on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok. Like I just throw them wherever I can. And then Mm. hopefully people will find them. Um, and they've been found like I we didn't start throwing them up on TikTok until like a few months ago and one of them actually took off in a way that I had never seen my work do that before mm-hmm. um, it wasn't actually it was actually one that Stephen wrote and directed because he mm-hmm. has um, social anxiety so that was a topic we wanted to cover mm. yeah and um, it did so well on TikTok mm. it's like man there's so many random platforms you just never know where it might resonate with people or or if the algorithm will favor it that day you know what i mean like yeah um, yeah yeah so working with those factors are it's kind of crazy too but um but yeah we we kind of just like have our plan is just like get it out to as many platforms as possible and hopefully people will find them and um and yeah i mean like two of them actually like because tiff the toronto international film Mm -hmm. festival they um they they used to do this uh, little one minute short film contest with Instagram oh, a couple wow. years ago, and two of them got into that contest like out of twenty six worldwide. So that was really cool. Very um, cool. That was probably our first taste of like a major festival, even though it wasn't the actual mm. festival. Um, and yeah, like we've just been making them ever since like two thousand eighteen. This. And then 2020 happened and we took a complete break from it because mental health was a little more important to me at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't be acting. I couldn't like, we couldn't be crewing up with people, you know? Yeah, really yeah. Hard. We could yeah. only do so many shorts with just the two of us. Um, right. Which is possible, but it's really hard, so. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's wild. So you started doing, you did those for basically a year and a half or two years until everything went to shit the last year. That's yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Well. Z. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are are you are you thinking you're going to keep doing those 1 minute shorts or what do you think you're going to be working on next with regards to these projects or I'm guessing you have a a big ass screenplay somewhere <laughs> sitting on some folder like some yeah. So yeah, um well yeah, so I'm um well well, yeah the next thing I did in between those shorts was another film that I actually got to do with Amazon and um and uh attention that was like in 2019 and that did Mm. okay was that concealer or yeah that was concealer so I did a horror short yeah um, and then that ended up on alter earlier this year which was really cool which is a a big horror platform on YouTube 
that yeah just like curates a bunch of horror shorts so that they could actually be seen <laughs> by an audience as opposed to like yeah. me just throwing it up and hoping people see it but um uh but like so our plan with the micro shorts now is just to do them whenever we can just like in between projects like whenever just something mm-hmm. that's really exciting to us that we know we can execute quickly and mm-hmm. be done in a minute like yeah our goal is to just keep doing them to keep us fresh keep us active and tell yeah. us stories when we're still working on our larger projects but yeah I I like the goal now for both of us is to move on to feature filmmaking which I mean you know how this goes it's the, the yeah. next step is so fucking hard yeah I feel like you should hard. come back into it man like I feel like I'm, I'm super working on a it different time I feel I'm, like- I'm sleeper working on it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, work- I'm getting kind of gears. I, I, you know, a lot has happened, obviously, like you said, with 2020 being wacky, but yeah. um, I actually got separated from my wife like two years ago and I got, oh. so 2020 was finalized. I got divorced. Oh, and so oh. there was like a lot of like, for me, like at the time, like basically running this Madre for a few years was super crazy just because I was like, I was basically, like you said, 24 seven. So I was either doing my day job to help pay the bills, uh, you know, we, you know, and, or doing this mother. So I would like go do my contract work. I'd go to the office, do this. And that. at the time I was doing, I was basically a contractor doing contract, like a consulting engineering sort of stuff. So it was a little bit flexible and it gave me the flexibility to basically kind of work from wherever I wanted to. I would go in for meetings as needed, but then I would go to our, we had an office at the time. We had this mother office where Sammy and I were working. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was basically like a few years of that. And it was kind of like, um, you know, I was married and it was like, okay, we need to grow up. We need to get a house, all this sort of stuff. And Larissa was amazing. She worked on all of my projects and it was never, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was there. She was helping with this, this stuff uh, during masa shoots and, you know, she helped, she even put, you know, some of her hard-earned money into this madre and like was really a big champion for everything that we were working on and always was and still is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, things kind of came to a head in terms of like, just like us, like, you know, are we going to have a family? Are we going to like get a house? Like we've both been working so hard for so long already. Da, da, da. And um, so I took a full-time job mm-hmm. pretty much in twenty. So soon after we did this stuff, like 2017 or so is when I started, basically, I started a full-time job. Um, And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. Um, But soon after, like, I think it was, it was like, there was already a lot of damage done in that relationship in terms of like what expectations were and not communicating properly and that sort of thing. So that kind of started falling apart. And um, where am I going with this? Yeah, that started falling apart. And then it was just like, shit, life is happening, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is basically like, okay, am I like, I'm about to be on my own. I have to get my shit together financially. We actually had bought a house. Um, And so, you know, I had to decide like, am I going to try to keep the house? Is she going to keep it? You know, what does that mean career-wise, financially, whatever? Uh, The job I got was great. It was paying me. I still have that job. Okay. <laughs> um, so you know it, it I had to make some decisions at the time based off of like the stuff that was happening personally and thinking about okay this film stuff um, for me I always knew that I would return to it or that I wanted to return to it and so it was like the conversations personally were around like I need to make sure that however I set my life up for a kind of medium term like short term okay we got a house we're doing this but medium term and long term, I want to make sure that there's enough flexibility with our lifestyle that I could go back and do a project when I want to, or I could take a year off if I decide to do that. I don't want to become sucked into like a really expensive lifestyle or a family situation where I could never step away from the engineering stuff because it's, I know I still want to do that. Um, so yeah, that started happening. And then obviously COVID happened. Oh. Um, I ended up keeping the house. Most of the podcast listeners know because I talk about some of this stuff already, but I kept the house, uh, which meant, you know, some things career-wise at the time and for the short term. Um, and then, yeah, I think, you know, obviously COVID was crazy. 
I was super lucky to have the job because that provided like some really nice stability for me. Um, And then last year, well, officially got divorced and then the house is in the Santa Cruz mountains. So like I almost lost my fucking house. Oh my God. Due to the wildfires. Oh my God. (laughs) So I like moved out of my house for five weeks last summer because of, because we were, um, whatever we were it was like a forced evacuation or whatever um but the house made it so thank god the house fucking made it um so it was a crazy year it was a fucking crazy year um but i feel like there's obviously like you know 2021 is crazy in its own way already um for other reasons i think um but I i feel like we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel and i'm feeling like inspired to connect with people um and to keep like to start maybe working on some small projects here and there. And I've had a, a feature length screenplay that I've been working on for like two years. Yeah. Um, and so that's starting to kind of move a little bit. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm feeling kind of like, all right, like I, I feel good. I feel like I'm kind of ready to shoot some stuff and screw good. around a little bit. Um, yeah. But that's yeah, exciting. it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Like, I think, you know, right. Like when you're doing these projects, I mean, how do you feel? Do you like your mind has to be in the right place because the projects are really kind of personal. Yeah. Um, and they are driven by your passion and not by money. No. And <laughs> right. And so like, so if your head's not there, you just can't quite do it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And- I remember after like we, sh- after we wrapped my first short film, like I went through like a month of depression because it was just like, okay, I need to get to the next step mm. we, like it was in post but it was just like it, it was just really hard for me to continue moving on because at that point my mind was not in a good place um even mm. though I was happy to have done it mm-hmm. um, but I also felt like and I had a good team but like there you know as you know as for filmmaking it still feels like such a lonely journey because at the end of it's, the day you're the only person mm-hmm. who can actually get it to the finish line yeah um, yeah and so when you're not feeling it, like then you're, it's really hard to keep moving. Like it really, yeah. 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 It's hard to keep moving. And then, then it's this weird thing where like, there's the expectation once you've got a project moving that people are like looking at you like, okay, what do we do next? Yeah. 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 What do we do next? (laughs) Yeah. No, I, yeah. That pressure is just like, I, you know, you want to look like you have the answers, but you know, you don't have the answers and you don't, you might not have them when you, when they need them. So it's just like, how do I remain confident, but also like, you know, confidently tell them I don't have the answers. Like, I'm just like trying to learn how to do that kind of thing for myself. You know what I mean? It's just like, look, we're going to try to figure this out. We're, we're a team. Let's do it together. Um, like just not be afraid to not know things on set. Um, and that's why you have a team there, you know, uh, it's tough. It's, it's, it's a scary um, job. Yeah. Trying to get people to believe that you should be making these projects. Yeah. I think what I've dealt with too in the past is like a little bit of guilt for asking people to like do shit for free or cheap or whatever. And then I'm just like, gosh, like how many more times can I ask for no. this sort like I start feeling like a scumbag I'm like gosh like you know like <laughs> I know, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shame like I just feel like uh, you know can I borrow yeah. this location because I remember what, when we shot those two scenes you know we were at that really nice house um that's yeah. like a friend of a friend and I felt so bad like I was like you know obviously trying to stretch out the time that we had there but they're kind of standing around watching and I'm like are they angry are they like, like yeah, do they want their house back like what are right they- yeah oh. right right yeah. it's, oh, that's it's such- yeah <laughs> it's scary I mean like um you know like the the last micro short we made we had a like it, we finally had another actor on board with us like because we had been making stuff just the two of us since it was COVID but like you know we were just like let's just offer him a little something because it wasn't going to take that much time for him um but let's pay him a little something and even he felt guilty about taking money you know what I mean like it was just like asking favors of each other it's it's so tricky um because we all just want to help each other out but at the end of the day it's like we also all need to you know live our li- like live mm-hmm. we, we have yeah. lives 
we need to pay for it. And then I hear things from like, you know, white filmmakers who I love, by the way, like who are just like, yeah, we, we just like pulled all the favors. Everybody help each other out. And now we're all profiting, profiting from selling this feature film. And I'm just like, I feel like, I feel like it's completely different for, you know, people like us who just don't don't really have the privilege to do that. <laughs> you know what, you know, what's weird. And I don't think I've ever told this story, but, or I've ever told like this detail of like some of the projects I've worked on, but a lot mm -hmm. of times I've, I've on my other projects, um, Larissa was like a, a producer on most of the stuff I worked on and um, she was extremely effective and super organized. And so I'm not trying to say this was her only value in the project, but what ended up happening sometimes, and even at that location, I felt like at that house, like I felt like people trusted the production more because she was there and because she was like this, you know, kind of like, I mean, people confuse her ethnicity. So she's, she's half Mexican and half white, mm -hmm. but you know, she's like put together and da, 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 as opposed to me, who's always looking like scruffy and I'm like this Mexican dude. Like I always <laughs> felt like she was like my, I don't know what the term would be, but you know, if I was like gay or whatever, she was like my beard or whatever, but she was like my like responsible white person on the set. <laughs> and <laughs> she was the approachable one. She was the was one the, that like felt like the, like, oh, the trustworthy one, right? Trustworthy one, yeah. yeah. I always felt really weird and like kind of uncomfortable because I'm like this guy and like whatever. And I, it, it, it's a weird thing, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, that, that layer... <laughs> That layer of complexity definitely exists when it comes to like what people see it and you know, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. and like how they judge mm -hmm. us. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Do you do you see your projects? I mean, for the audience that's for the your listeners, like how much of your projects has been rooted or has had an element of your culture or your eth ethnicity or your background in it? And do you see that as an important part of it? Like, how do you see that playing in the stuff you're working on in the future? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, I feel like no matter what I make, it will always be from the lens of a Filipino American woman, but I can never say that I'm speaking for an entire community um, yeah. or, even, or even a Filipina American community. Like I can't, yeah. like, um, and that's one thing I definitely want to uh, just, um, make clear for myself and anyone anytime I speak about my work is like it is coming from that lens um but this is the reason why we should all be able to tell our stories is because they are so different from each other all of yeah. our experiences are so different from each other um and yet there are things that like so many of us like so many Filipino Americans can relate to with each other because mm -hmm. of the time and the place and just our upbringing and um so I would say yes my culture is like it is there but probably not in the ways that um people would always expect like I I worked on another project that will probably pick up really soon since COVID's you know kind of a little more under control for all of us but um mm -hmm. I was working on this project called Hella Bay with other Filipina American mm -hmm. um, writer, actor filmmakers and who mm -hmm. I love they're like some of my closest friends today and um that one was so very specifically like mm -hmm. like we were throwing in all the Filipino references we could especially like Bay Area Filipino life mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah we were just like trying to bring all as much of that as possible to it um yeah and then some of my other work like like that, those kinds of details might not be as uh, apparent, like they might be more in the background, yeah. uh, but but they're there, you know, like it, it just yeah. dep depends on what the story is that we're telling, but it's, yeah. it's there all the time, especially, I mean, when you see me, it's like, well, right. some people don't see me as Filipino. That's another, like, that's another part of the experience for me personally. Right. I don't like, people don't really see a Filipino when they look at me, which is crazy, uh, I guess. I, but I think Filipinos look, can look all kinds of different ways. Mm -hmm. It's like anyone can look different depending, no matter what their ethnicity is. But um, uh, but yeah, I usually, I usually don't book Filipino work because I don't look Filipino enough. 
and I, yeah. speak, I don't speak Tagalog fluently. So that's another, that's uh, another uh, point off my <laughs> Filipino. Interesting. Sheet, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. So. Interesting. I wanted to ask, we'll close it up, wrap it up soon here, but I wanted to ask if you've seen, um, and I haven't seen them, so I, I'm so don't don't fucking spoil them for me. Um, but <laughs> um, uh, have you seen Minari or Nomadland yet? Yes, I have. Okay, kind of top level thoughts, and I, I think the interesting the, the interesting thing about those projects, because we're talking about this, is basically like, you know, Chloe Zhao and Nomadland told a story about white Americans, right? Basically, right. And she's like from fucking Beijing. She didn't even grow up in the u.s she came to the u.s like to study like film or whatever she went to college or i think she went to college in london and maybe anyway she didn't even go to high school here right and then um i forget the the uh the director of minari's name Uh, what is his name i think it's lee isaac chung or isaac lee chung but i think it's lee isaac chung yeah okay yeah um and that's like a a story about koreans in in the south right in alabama or something um what did you think about the projects and what do you think about that? Like how challenging do you think it, I mean, Chloe's got like a weird resume, I guess at this point. Right. It wasn't her I, first love, yeah. I mean, one of her films is one of my favorite films of all time, which is the writer, which is also about a white, like mm. rodeo writer. Like mm. and she, she's like a master at working with non-act, like non-actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the people you see in her films or a lot of the people you see in her films are, just like pulled from those communities like in Mm. real life um and she just seems to really love capturing stories like you said about like certain parts of America and that may center um white people but like but I still think they are white people who are who have fallen through the cracks like like Mm. who are women who are on like on the fringes or whatever Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. um so she seems to cover more things around class when it comes to white American. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love the kind of stories she tells. Like I like if I'm going to watch films that center white people, I do want to see like more yeah. things about people who are underrepresented or a lifestyle that's underrepresented, like those who live nomadic yeah. life. Um, so yeah i i I, it's just i I think what i what i thought what i think is cool is that like it's it's just like an awesome example of somebody who on the surface would people would see them and assume they're going to make like movies about chinese people or or movies about whatever but they're just telling good stories yeah yeah um and and I think that's super important um and it's something i think that if you're a person of color in the US and you're creative, like you always struggle with that element. You're like, what should I do? Should I tell this sort of story da, 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 or should I just say, fuck it and do, you know, whatever kind of, right. what, you know, so be like, and it's a weird thing. Cause I think there's expectations, there's industry expectations, right. Too, that you're kind of, or maybe that's all in the creative's head, but you're thinking like, oh, I'm supposed to tell this stuff or I'm supposed to do this or that or whatever, or nobody else is telling the story. So I should. Right. Like, I'm a right. Chump if I, right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with her, because I do know there, I do know the filmmakers who are like, I want to do what the industry wants. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're trying to work towards that end goal. Whereas I feel like with her, she is telling the stories she wants to tell. Mm-hmm for yeah. sure um yeah. because i mean i just don't see anyone else trying to tell those very specific stories mm-hmm. uh, and i would be interested to see her do you know stories about different cultures and stuff but i think that's part of what like in like you know led her to the work she's doing is because she is so mm-hmm. interested in other stories yeah um, yeah and isaac chung's minari is just i mean definitely one of my favorites of the years just a beautiful film and I mean the whole snafu with the Golden Globes and them call you know like categorizing Mm. it as a foreign film when it's such an American film it's like do people not know (laughs) that here and speak different languages like come on Uh, so yeah I and like I'm a huge fan of Stephen Yun so it's just like 
exciting to see him get recognition for his amazing work so Mm -hmm. yeah it's just been such a great not a great time for asians in america like out in the streets but like yeah in terms of representation and like moving that needle you know yeah it, it like there has been some progress there and i think that gives me hope about like the stories i want to tell and not being pigeonholed into yeah expectations yeah 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 dope dope all right well we'll wrap this up uh thank you so much for jumping on this is actually i love having these conversations because it really makes me think about you know not just like the creative stuff but just like people's journeys and you know it's um it's great to see that um i think people are still really hopeful and like excited about their own work Um, that gets me super psyched up and um it's also just dope to hear like even though like you know we have like very different like family backgrounds or whatever Mm -hmm. the experiences are very similar you know Yeah. yeah and um yeah yeah i think I, where can people check out some of your stuff? What's the fastest way? Like, is it your Instagram or maybe drop some of your tags here? What's the easiest way for people to find some of the stuff you've made? Cause people, I want people to watch your stuff. Oh uh, man, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, you can find all of my micro shorts at starring Christine on Instagram. Um, okay. you can just go to my website, Christine It's where I house all of my work. Um, at my latest and my oldest bullshit that I'm not like, <laughs> excited to share anymore, but like, I think it's good for people to see where I've came from. So, yeah, you know, yeah. like that's yeah. fine. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much for bringing me on, dude. It's great to finally catch up. Uh, I'm glad you're doing okay, despite everything that's happened in your own life. And uh, I'm really excited to hear that you are getting back into the creative stuff and making and hopefully you get that feature made that'll be sick it'll be fun it'll be an interesting yeah. journey but uh but yeah i think uh you know in between then i you know hopefully make some small stuff too yeah i'll reach out i think it'd be fun to just work on stuff with people that i've worked with in the past too i think like you know part of like the first part of one's career in this space is like figuring out like a community yeah and um you probably have a really good community now I feel like I do like and Mm -hmm. and you know part of the thing I always struggle with is like people hit me up not very often but you know every few months hey man let's do this or let's you need to work on something da 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 and I'm just like no no but (laughs) but as soon as I say yes I feel so on the hook so like I like I I just told somebody yes on something small like Uh a week ago okay well i'll congratulate you for that because that's worth a congratulations like <laughs> always dope when someone's like got a project coming up like that sounds great man we'll see we'll see where it goes but uh, i'm excited to watch uh, to continue watching uh, your stuff grow and i wish you the best and i think um you know people please check out christine's stuff and uh, go back and rewatch Master of the Power season two. Yes, and you can see some, some of her good work there. <laughs> I just watching it, and I, when you walk into the backyard and you have that slow mo of your hair, it's hey. like the most fucking amazing shot. Like, Y'all made me look so good. I'm like, dang, is that what I looked like that day? I mean, I had sunglasses on, so that helped a little bit. But like, I was like, I need to like have that be my website. Like, when people pop up on my website, uh, all it is is my hair flying. You looked amazing that day. It's such a fucking sick shot. Like, oh, so good, dude. I was like, shit, man. That was like, how many frames per second was that shot? My hair was just like flowing. In the- <laughs> One of the reasons why, why I'm like, man, I shouldn't cut my hair. That shit made my long hair look hella good. <laughs> uh, all right, Christine, we'll talk later. And everybody uh, listening, thank you so much for listening to Smile Day Podcast episode 123. Please leave a comment or a five-star review on our podcasts, Apple Podcast stuff, or wherever you're listening. Thank you very much. And we will catch you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs>